Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 138 unread books on my shelf. With me, as always, is my brother, Andrew. Hi, Spooky. Hello. My husband, Dylan. Spookier. Hello. And surprise, guess who's here, Toby? Terrifying greetings. Hello. I guess. Hello. (laughs) I guess I meant that to be a big, you know, suspenseful moment, but the (laughs) listeners don't know that you're in the room with us. Yes, that's the big reveal that uh, the podcast was coming from inside the house (laughs) the whole time. Toby is here. I'm here in Los Angeles. How's the trip been going? How's life? Fantastic. It's great. We've broken it up into three legs. So we're ending leg one soon. Louise is going to go off on a little vacation of her own. I'm going to get to spend some family time. So, yeah, leg one complete. Woo. Woo, indeed. Would you say she needs a vacation from her vacation? (laughs) She needs a vacation from me, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm staying in the tiny, tiny RV. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you been, you've you've gotten to see, I was going to say the world, not the world. You've gotten to see the U.S. (laughs) Which is the world. You've been camping a lot. Yeah, we've been boondocking, we've been camping, we've been hiking, we've seen all sorts of incredible things. And also, I've been, you know, reading a lot, like you do on camping trips. I told you on a previous podcast that one of my shames was Carl Ove Knosgaard's My Struggle. My Struggle. My Kampf. <laughs> yeah. In the German edition, I believe it is My Kampf. Uh-huh. And one of my favorite things about that book is the American edition or the U.S. edition has a picture, like the top half of it is a picture of him looking like staring, like very, his his brow is furrowed. He looks kind of like concerned and Mm -hmm. worried, world weird. Like it fits the book quite well and it's all about him, but it's a really grim expression. And so Louise and I have been like, whenever we have like minor things, like I have to make the coffee in the morning, I'm like, oh my struggle (laughs) and you make the face but the best thing is is that on the back of our camper we have two bikes Mm -hmm. strapped to the back and louise's bike has a little basket on it like to put like your milk in or whatever (laughs) i don't know but um it's a cute little basket and one morning i was cleaning up out in the campground and i put the book in the basket and i was like i gotta remember to come pick this back up before Mm -hmm. we drive anywhere (laughs) and then we drove like 300 miles that day (laughs) and i came the next morning i went out there and all i saw is like the the cover was flipped up and his expression is like "Mm," like glowering at me he had quite the struggle yes so so upset it just so perfectly matched like leaving the book was fine it didn't rain or anything but uh it was pretty funny to see him glowering at me (laughs) i wish you had a picture of that that sounds great how have you been andrew how's things on the old uh, east coast the old east coast is good it's starting to get cold i've learned uh in the joys of home ownership that Mm -hmm. uh leaves they just keep on falling (laughs) you know you rake them up you you push them into the woods you hit them with a lawnmower and then they're back (laughs) but no it's funny i just i I find myself texting my friends and real like seeing myself age in front of myself yep uh where i'm like oh look at the job i did on the lawn today guys (laughs) before and after pick look at all those leaves packed up i am become dad (laughs) i thought you should just hire a groundskeeper to take care of the property over the winter months Mm. oh Mm, I could do that. The boiler is a little uh, (laughs) on the faulty side. Just kidding. We don't have a boiler. We use heat pumps. (laughs) Well, that sounds pretty fun, Andrew. Do you have any shame that you wanted to share? Mm, uh, (laughs) So in the next town over, it's about 15 minutes away. There's this town called Kingston. 
near Woodstock. And Jillian found this cool, cool bookstore, which is called Rough Draft. It's built in like an old, Kingston has a, an old town because it was the original um, capital of New York State. So it has a mm. lot of really old buildings that have, some of which have been repurposed and like have modern things in it. And one of them is this Rough Draft bookstore. And if you read the, uh, the bookmark they put in your book when you buy one, there, it's like subtitle is beer, books, wine, coffee, pies. Read, sip, repeat. <laughs> so pies. It's a great place. Yeah. Uh, so it's built into this old building. Uh, it has a bar. It has places to sit, and it is also a functional bookstore. So I checked it out, and I couldn't leave without a book. Now could I? Of course not. Um, of course not. First of all, I surprise. I picked up a copy of The Shining uh, by <gasps> one Esteban King. Mm. Um, and that's I, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I read that so I can contribute to the conversation of that in the second part of the episode today. And I also picked up a copy of Harlem Shuffle, which has already been mentioned on the podcast. Uh, Colson Whitehead's new book, because uh, yeah. I liked Underground Railroad so so well that I thought I'll pick up a copy of that myself. Well. So shame. I, I feel pretty good about it. Well, nothing too crazy. Dylan has read Harlem Shuffle. I have read Harlem Shuffle. I l- I liked it because it's very clearly like it's just an Elmer Leonard story. Ooh, and it's okay. Kind of, it's kind of funny because it's like a Pulitzer Prize winner trying to do an Elmer Leonard story, and I think Elmer Leonard is better at this genre than him. Whoa! A, I really like it when super literary authors take a swing at genre. Yeah, that's the thing. It like, can turn out really cool. And there's parts of it where you can tell it's like really poetic. I like how it writes about like you know the life and history of New York, but then also it's a kidnapping plot. So it's like <laughs> yeah, but. You're making me want to read it more. Your tone is like, oh, it's okay, but no, you're no, making no. me want to read it more. My tone is, I really liked it. Heads up, though, it's not that literary. He's, uh, he's oh, saying, good. I really liked it, but Bailey would not really like oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bailey was asking me, he's like, what do you like? It's like, you would not like this. Hmm. Mm. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll do a special next episode. Everyone read it. <laughs> there you go. I have a little bit of shame. I, I was Whoa, about to ask. You, of all people, you've never had shame. <laughs> well, it's it's not it's delayed shame, as we've discussed, which is that I okay. ordered a book from the library. I mean, from the bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, I ordered. Um, you know, you know, you have to pay for books from the bookstore, right? Well, I haven't had not to pay like for library. it yet. Ah. <laughs> the sequel to The Circle by Dave Eggers is oh, out. It's called The Every. The Square. Why is it not called The Square? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, Dave Eggers did a special for independent bookstores that has a pretty like different covers. So I hmm. ordered that um, because it came out a few weeks ago, but they were all sold out at my local bookstore. So I ordered a copy for myself. Heck yeah. But it hasn't come yet. So, you know, delayed shame. I mean, talking about literary authors doing like more genre stuff, like The Circle, I felt was as close as Dave Eggers has gotten to like a sci-fi. I know, liked it thing. a lot better than his other stuff. Me too, because yeah, because <laughs> it had a little bit more oomph to it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, that's my only shame. Did you have any shame, Tobin? Nah. Nah. Cool. Nah. Too busy. Absolutely shameless. <laughs> I have a question for the group. Might be the opposite of shame. As you know, our daughter Maggie, the baby, likes to take books off my shelf. And recently, her new obsession has been Siddhartha, which is on the to-read list. And this morning, she ripped it up. <laughs> she ripped off the cover and the, and the binding. So does that mean that it's off the list? Uh, is the book still a book? Uh, Barely. Well, it's like, as I read it, it will probably fall apart. I don't know. It still seems like it's on the list. <laughs> and having read Siddhartha myself, I think that uh, Herman Hesse would be like, oh, yes, that's like the perfect condition to read the book in. Like, it's all about spiritualism and accepting things and mm. the spiritual journey. So I think you need to read the book in whatever condition it comes to you. Read it and then like mm. let it blow away in the wind. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't shred. Don't put it in your blender and shake it out your window. <laughs> this morning, 
I was in the bathroom and Dylan's like, Maggie has a present for you. And I'm like, oh, what is it? And she walks in holding the cover of Uh, So, guys, this is exciting. This is our Halloween episode. Very special. I don't know if we've ever done anything exactly like this. Didn't we do something like this last year? I think we did a horror thing last year. I think we did a horror thing last year. No, I mean celebrating one author. Uh Lots of different works by that author. Mm. Yeah, so, closest we came was our Piranesi Extravaganza. Piranesi. Oh, yes. mm. Remember that, guys? That's been on so many uh, like best of the year bo- uh, lists, and I'm mm-hmm. happy for it. Good for it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this week on the podcast, we are doing a Stephen King spooktacular. Spooktacular. So, um, hey, guys, can I just say? Yeah. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, we're calling Yas King. Yas King. <laughs> so Toby, I know, is a huge Stephen King fan. And so you only had, I think, just this one on your to-read list, probably because you've read all the other ones. So Toby, did you read a Stephen King book this week? Yes, I did. I did. I did. Um, I read Skeleton Crew by Stephen King. Spooky bones, 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 bones. The bones are the money. <laughs> so are the worms. Yeah, that's right. Is this so? Is this book about uh, Johnny Cash and a skeleton song? Well, no. Um, I am really proud of my logline, though. I worked really hard on it. All right. I, you know, like I think you guys have both abandoned like the lot. You always say like, "Well, it's not quite a logline." I want to stick to my loglines. I worked really hard on it. Are you prepared? There's no bones about it. Here we go. Logline. Skeleton crew is a book of short stories by internationally famous horror author Stephen King. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yo, that's really good. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like it's the pinnacle of my achievements. But Um, are they spooky? They are spooky and ooky. Um, Yeah, I feel like, you know, everyone knows Stephen King. It's a book of short stories by Stephen King. Okay. That's the logline. Yeah, so as Bailey said, I have read a lot of Stephen King. I certainly haven't read all of it. I have my favorites. I have my less favorites. And... I have read actually Rank them. <laughs> oh man, that'll take some time. I this is like a maybe the third collection of his that I've read of short stories. And I think he is known for writing these tomes. Like it is a thousand pages. The stand is like something like fourteen hundred, I don't even know. Super long books. But a lot of the movies that people know and love are based on his short stories. Mm. So The Green Mile, uh, Shawshank Redemption, The Mist. Mm. Um, a lot of them are based on his shorter work. That one about the kids in the body. Stand By Me. Thank you. That is also a short story. There you go. Yeah. So I think Skeleton Crew, having read a lot of Stephen King, <laughs> I can say if you want the full Stephen King experience, which is some really great stories and some real stinkers, <laughs> oh, no. you could read Skeleton Crew because it has it all. <laughs> all right. Tell us more. I yeah. love it. <laughs> um so I will kind of do some highlights and then some lowlights. Um, so the highlights. Beautiful. No, highlights, elves, if you will. The Mist. The kind of criminally underrated movie, The Mist, that oh, came yeah. out probably early 2000s. It's I'm a good movie. Yeah. Two th- it came out in like 2004, yeah. I say. Well, good old Thomas Jane. It's a, if you haven't seen it and you like horror movies, oh boy, really fun one. Also, um, fun fact, Stephen King says he likes the movie better than the story. The ending. Yeah, no, no, well, the whole thing. The whole, the whole thing. thing. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, that's strange because it's very true to the story. Except like, for the ending, right? Except, for the, except ending. for the ending. Yes, but okay. very true to the story. And the story is great. And it doesn't really count as a short story. Uh, on I read this on audiobook and the 
short story, quote unquote, of the mist is like five and a half hours. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, and novella, novella yeah, at no, best, definitely novella. But yeah, if, uh, it's a great tale of a mysterious mist that descends on a New England town, and there's creatures in the mist, and everyone gets trapped in a grocery store, and there's kind of personal drama and monsters in the mist. Great, like. I'd say Peak King, very scary horror elements, very fun human elements, um, and everything goes great except for the ending, where it just kind of trails off and you're left deeply unsatisfied. And um, if you haven't seen the movie, I won't spoil it for you, but it's got one of my favorite horror movie endings of all time. So they definitely fix that in the movie version, but it's a great story. So that's one of the highlights for sure. Yes, King. Yas King. Another great story in here is called Mrs. Todd's Shortcut. It's extremely slow in the beginning. It's simply about a young housewife who was bored in Maine and tries to find quicker and quicker ways to drive around the state in her Mercedes Benz. Drive around the state? Okay. Yeah. So she's like talking about how she uses these back roads and she's trying to get to Bangor or wherever she's going, like in a certain amount of time, a certain amount of miles. But the story is so classic horror in that It's so banal and almost boring, but then the horror elements kind of slowly creep in when you realize she's going faster and faster and starting to maybe leave reality on some of these back roads. And Mm -hmm. it's very fun. It's a very satisfying story, and it feels finished, Mm. which, (gasps) spoiler alert, for this collection is a rarity. Is the horror that there's construction on 295? Oh, Mainjo. Oh, and also, as a as a born and bred Mainer, I will say that I do not co-sign Toby's pronunciation of the town Bangor. Bangor. Banger. <laughs> Which it's, is what everyone thinks they say in Maine, but they don't. It's a banger. <laughs> um, there is also a classic science fiction horror called The Jaunt which is about the invention of teleportation. Um, And everybody has to be put to sleep before they teleport or something awful happens to them. It is a very concise, very fast-paced, perfect little horror story with a nice little sting of existential dread at the end. Again, it feels complete. It's very scary. It's very inventive. Top-notch king. And then my last favorite story in here is called Survivor Type. It's about a surgeon who gets marooned on a desert island with a bunch of heroin and eats himself. It's fantastic. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a great yeah. one. Again. <laughs> who hasn't been there? <laughs> so those are my highlights of this collection. They are maybe less than a quarter of the overall stories. Oh, no. Um, Wait, so this must be a big book. Yeah, it's quite long. It's a very big collection of short stories. I mean, a lot of it is The Mist. Right. Um, For something called Skeleton Crew. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of it. It doesn't really make any sense. So that's that's like my top-notch king, you know, really well-done horror, excellent characters and characterization, and this kind of sensation of... A, stor- a master storyteller at work, not mm-hmm. just an author, but a storyteller. And I can't quite articulate what the difference is, but I think you know what I mean. Like he's telling you a tale. From having read a lot of Stephen King this week, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so I will move into my orcs. No, One- King. <laughs> One of my biggest orcs, and it was incredibly prevalent in this book, is the constant unending fat phobia. Yeah. Um, people's weight, especially women's weight, is a constant source of quote-unquote horror, and it feels awful to read. Um, It's especially unforgivable because King can obviously summon plenty of other terrifying things that are actually scary. So it reads not just as cruel and insensitive, but also lazy. Yes. I really don't appreciate it. It really stinks to read, um, and it brings the book way down, in my opinion. He's still doing it, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. 
Mm. That was a big uh, a big issue I have with this one. I know it's all throughout his work, as Bailey might be able to attest to, but in this collection, it is just constant. It's in a lot of the stories, so it's rough. My other orc would be that many of these stories feel unfinished. Like King sort of wrote until he got stuck or tired and then just called it done. Um, it's noticeable, especially in this collection, because it happens over and over again, and it, and it kind of gets irritating. My favorite stories, the ones I talked to you about, are the ones, all of them were ones that felt finished. Like they felt like they had an end. They felt like they were tied up with a bow. And I think that probably King would come to his defense and say, well, these are the, you know, those other ones are more ambiguous. I want to leave it up to the reader. But I've read plenty of stuff that feels like it's up, left up to the reader. And these really do feel like like they're just kind of leaving you dangling. <laughs> yeah, reader, what do you think? How should it end? No, tell me seriously. It's exactly. Not my, it's not my job to do your job, Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's my overall, you know, impression of the book. I, I have told you that, you know, the ones I really liked were a minority of this collection. And I want to finish it off with a little bit of, you know, I know a fair amount about Stephen King. I've read a lot about him. And I've heard him say that writing for him is like uncovering a fossil. Um, he does not plan out his stories. He just kind of has an idea and sort of brushes away at it like a like an archaeologist would a fossil. And the more you brush, the more it kind of exposes itself out of the soil. It's a very organic way of writing. It's a very just kind of you sit down at the desk every day and what comes out comes out. And I think this collection really shows that mm-hmm. because the stories that work do have that feeling to them where they just kind of move seamlessly from thing to thing. And there's kind of a free association and it just... When it works, it works fantastically. But some of the fossils are still stuck in the rock. Are still in there. Yeah, you're just like, man, drink another cup of coffee and get back with that brush. Um, but yeah, and then some of them, uh, maybe you know, you brushed them out with the brush, and maybe they weren't ready for the museum. Maybe you keep them. Maybe you keep them in your private collection. I don't know. Um, in your skeleton crew, I guess. In your skeleton crew. I, I think, you know, to sum up, I think most people who are big fans of King are pretty realistic about the fact that he uh, make, he's written a lot of books because he's written like 60 books. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's some great ones and there's some not great ones. I would say overall, this was, um, you know, a collection that I found more not great than great. Um, Does that mean three stars? It means three stars. Okay. I did enjoy the ones that, that I enjoyed a lot. And I, I think I was prepared. I'm always prepared. <laughs> Terrible. I opened a Stephen King book. You know, I am a fan, but everybody who's a fan for a long time, I think, develops this attitude. Awesome. Well, that's cool, Toby. Uh, I heard that we're switching it up a little bit, and Dylan has brought in some Stephen King facts. Yep, I did. Uh, but I should have you guys actually do it, because didn't you have to do a semester of Stephen King in Maine High School? <laughs> uh, no, but he did sit in front of us at a Portland Sea Dogs game once. What? That's true. It's pretty Maine. It's very Maine. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves the Sea Dogs. He loves the Red Sox. Oh, uh, I don't think I had ever read anything of his until The Shining. Really? Ooh, oh, wow. I might have... I. I cannot say with certainty that I haven't read a short story of his. I might have in a class at some point, but mm-hmm. this is the first co- time I've been conscious of reading Stephen King like on my own. Andrew, <laughs> you sound like a politician where they're like, did you do drugs or not do drugs? You're like, well, I can't be sure. It depends on your definition of did. <laughs> it sounds like he's about to run for governor of Maine. It's like, no, no, I've, I've probably read Stephen King at some point, probably. <laughs> um, so how we're going to do it, tell, correct me if I'm wrong, Dylan, is because you know, usually we do different authors on the podcast. This week, it's the same author 
The first section is going to be Stephen King facts, and the second section will be The Shining facts. Yep. Although I could have written a 1,400-page book with the amount of Stephen <laughs> King facts there are. Present them, Dylan. He will not shut up about the Red Sox. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> um, In the list of things for uh, authors that we've experienced on this podcast to not shut up about, the Red Sox is fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Um, Stephen Edwin King was born in Portland. Maine, not Oregon. <gasps> no way. Heck yes. Um, on September 20th. 20- probably, in, probably in the Maine Medical Center, same as me and Bailey. Unless it was High Mercy, five. you don't know. Who knows? Mercy wow. sucks. <laughs> Go Maine Med. I want to talk to you guys about a thing called narrow casting. <laughs> <laughs> on September 21st, 1947, not October 31st, which I... <laughs> his father was Donald Edwin King. Donald uh, changed his name to King. It was originally Donald Pollock. What? what? So he was supposed to be Stephen Pollock, but that wouldn't have a lot of King of Horror puns later on. In also, his life. isn't that like a racial slur or an ethnic slur? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the Pollock of Horror would really go over as well. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Um, there's a lot of what inspired him to do horror as a kid, including seeing one of his friends die, although he says he does oh. not remember it. He says his mom told him the story of him coming home after playing with his friend that died in the train accident that he saw. However, hmm. Stephen King claims that this does not come back and impact his writing. Cat. Well, okay. What he does claim impacts his writing is that he and his brother found a copy of The Lurker in the Shadows by H.P. Lovecraft in his father's attic. When in high school, he mentions this in On Writing, he did submit short horror stories to different publications so that by the time, in 1966, when he went to the University of Maine, Go... Black Bears. Go Black Bears. Black Bears. Really? Okay. Yeah. Go Black Bears. Yep. I like how the University of Maine picked, like, the more chill bear. <laughs> like, not the Grizzlies. There's no Grizzlies well, in Maine. Th- those uh, are the bears that are in Maine. That's the, okay. The, we don't really have... Uh, we don't have Grizzlies don't in Maine. We don't joke about Maine stuff. I feel, I feel like a more audacious state would just be like, Grizzlies, I don't care. Uh, he had a very eventful college life, too. Uh, he sold his first story his freshman year, The Glass Floor, to Starling Mystery Stories. He ran a column called Stephen King's Garbage Truck for the student's newspaper. I Was, think our daughter oh, would that. love that. Yeah. <laughs> the main campus. Attended a writing workshop by Burton Hatland, a giant of Maine literature. I guess it's a, a huge deal. Um, where he met his wife, Tabitha. And they got married in 1971. And they've been married ever since. Burton Hatland sounds like the most main name I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah, what's up? Guys, we can all just chill about Maine here and just be... <laughs> Don't just I, have some fun I, together. <laughs> he had a variety of jobs to pay for his studies, and this is a huge theme in a lot of his early adult lives of him working weird jobs, mm. including janitor, pump attendant, and worker at an industrial laundry. And then afterwards, cool. because writing don't pay the bills, although he said he's, it helped, but... He was able to pay the bills with it, mm-hmm. so he became an English teacher. He got a certificate in teaching. Yeah, but he was yep. only a teacher for like a year. Yep, because he was selling to men's magazines like Cavalier. So there was just a time in the 70s or 80s where people could carve out a living. Selling to like softcore porn? Yeah. I guess. This is literature. Check out the story on page five. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do remember like there was like a famous joke phrase that like no one under the age of... 35 will know but like you know you read playboy for the articles right and that's where this came from yeah. it's like people like stephen king and, and actually much more famous authors i think used to publish in there well yeah. what's interesting is if you want to read these short stories he republished them in a book called night shift ah. so like all his first first short stories before he hit it big because in 1973 
he wrote Carrie. There's a famous story about this, that he originally wrote it as a short piece for Men's Magazine, but he thought it was garbage, so he threw it away, Mm -hmm. and his wife rescued it from the trash. Wives save the day. I don't know if you would like pitch it to a men's magazine. Where, yeah. Like, ah, time to read about this young high school girl's troubles. So that was a huge hit. He got, interesting fact, he got original publishing deal, which was decent. But then he got like a $200,000 deal for the paperback rights, mm-hmm. which at the time was like, no one really did that. Hmm. But yeah, the republishing of it was a crazy big deal. So he decided to follow it up with Salem's Lot. <laughs> Bailey's favorite. <laughs> Can't spoil my reviews. He <laughs> uh, said the story seems sort of down home to me. I have a sweet, special, cold spot in my heart for it. But then after that book, he decided that one, he was getting sick of Maine and also his mom died. So he was getting very stir crazy. Also keep in mind, a lot of this is also soaked in alcohol and cocaine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This will be another big part of it. So he decided that he needed to a change of scenery, randomly pointed out a map went to Boulder and wrote The Shining. I will get into a lot of Shining facts about how that came about. Needless to say, though, it was a hit. So basically, he knocked out like three huge hits in a row. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you could read a book of those three books. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> also, I didn't know this. He lived in England for a while at this time as well. Oh. But then moved back to Maine and then just never left. The interesting thing I was reading about, though, was his family life. And there's a really good article in the New York Times. Heard of it. (laughs) Heard of it by Susan Dominus, where she just hung out with him for a weekend. And it is fascinating Hmm. because it talks about his relationships with his oldest daughter, Naomi, his second oldest uh, son, Owen King, also a famous novelist. Mm -hmm. And his son, Joseph Hillstrom King, also known as Joe Hill. Who is, I think, even more famous than Owen. Yeah. Yep. Also... Um, what about Naomi? Nobody pays attention to Naomi. So Naomi was born with an adrenal deficiency disorder. So mm. she has had a lot of physical symptoms throughout her life. And she became a Unitarian minister. Wow. wow. And it really confuses her and it really confuses Stephen King and the family because they're all novelists. They all just talk about horror stories <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and um, she's a Unitarian. <laughs> and she's a Unitarian. She's also married to Thandika the head of the Unitarian Universalist minister, and apparently she's this huge liberal theologian that writes about race and religion. Interesting. So she's a huge scholar. Wow. So Naomi's led a very interesting life. It's just interesting because normally the kid into horror novels would be the black sheep, but this time (laughs) it's the opposite. (laughs) Come down out of your room and stop reading all that Unitarian literature. (laughs) Instead of running away, instead of running away to like become an actor or something, it's like no, I'm going to become a minister. <laughs> One really cute thing that we should do as parenting Stephen King parenting tips. Oh God! Is that since he had to travel a lot, he had his kids read classic novels for him hmm. and made them like basically do their own audiobooks, including Aww. his daughter having to read Anna Karenina for him when she was like 12. See, that's cute, but that's a lot of work. That's also backwards isn't it like when if you travel a lot you want to be in their lives the other way right like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. i sent toby a fact he had owen read dean Koontz for him <laughs> all right all right uh, so so you get anna karenina <laughs> and you get the novel about the dog that can point at scrabble tiles and oh, teach you things <laughs> don't worry he also had naomi read raven the true story of the jonestown massacre when oh she my. was like yeah. <laughs> steven Look, they really love books. 
In fact, mm. they love books so much that he claims he reads uh, 70 to 80 books a year. Mm. And they have a personal library, and I saw some photos of this. It's 17,000 books in oh his my. basement. Jealous. Ultimate so guest. a little bit more than Bailey. <laughs> Ultimate guest for the two-read list. Ooh. Yeah, I wonder how many of them he's read. One of the mm. other people in the King family is also Owen's wife, Kelly, who was a big Stephen King fan growing up. Like, she was obsessed with it. She was a completionist. Ooh, yeah. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. But met Owen at Columbia. They married, and apparently she like just fits in the family really well. Yeah, just she knows weird. all the references. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just really weird that like imagine your hero growing up and then you marry into the family. I feel again. I'm feeling bad for Naomi because this Kelly comes in. She yeah. fits right in. <laughs> 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 They're all obviously their careers are blowing up, and you know what's cute is that they all run their books through their mom. Tabitha. Really? Yeah. Because I had heard that Tabitha read everything Stephen yep. King wrote. She is famous for editing a lot of Stephen King's book. Although she <laughs> apparently drops the ball sometimes and shorting them. Mm. And shortening them. Oh, yeah. wow. That's your that's your claim to fame is that you make Stephen King books shorter. Oh, God. So, yeah, they're all working on a billion things. Stephen King signed a huge uh, Hulu deal after Castle Rock. They're going to turn everything of his into a TV show. Wow. Joe Hill has a bunch of books coming up. And Owen King is also really busy, too. He's working with filmmaker Josh Boone on adapting the Clive Baker novel, The Great and Secret Show, for television. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. Toby. Jeff. <laughs> First Jeff is coming for Toby. <laughs> First episode of our Patreon, y'all. So we're going to watch along of the, <laughs> the series. The Great and... I'm going to watch it. I, I know mean, you yeah. are. The last thing is that it was really adorable in this article, but they all play a game called Ex Libris, which... Yeah, out of books. Out of books. Okay, Dartmouth. Which is the pretentious <laughs> version of Balderdash, where they all go downstairs, pick a random book, and then they have to write the first uh, first line of it I without love reading it. it. Can we play that? That's actually a cool game. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just seem like a cool family that yeah. do cool stuff. So go Kings. Unless you're Naomi. <laughs> Unless you're Naomi. Hey, Naomi. Naomi, you can't pick the Bible again <laughs> for ex Libris. In the beginning. Okay, we all know. I win. I win. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that is Stephen King. Yay, good, good facts. facts. Yeah. Well, after that shining example of research uh, proposed and executed by Dylan, Bailey. Yes? You shine, boy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did you read a book this No, week? don't do it, Toby. Don't, don't do it. it. <laughs> Did you read a book this, uh, this podcast? Uh, no. Oh, bummer. Did you read three books? Yes, oh. King. Um, yes. So we've talked about this a million times. I won't belabor it, but I acquired this copy of Stephen King's three novels, the first three novels that Dylan mentioned from Toby and his lovely wife, Louise. So I did. Guys, I did it. I read all three. Wow. That is impressive. Nerd. This is. I'm, I mean, sorry. Good job. <laughs> Yay. I, I, didn't, I honestly didn't know if I was going to finish it, but then um, Dylan and Toby went to see James Bond last night, and so I had some time because that movie was two and a half hours long. Two hours and 45 minutes <laughs> plus half an hour of previews. Shame, AMC. Sounds like there was time to die. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> So I had a lot of quiet time last night and I was able to finish Salem's Lot. So yes, so I read Carrie, Salem's Lot, and The Shining. Our main review will be on The Shining, which Mm -hmm. we've all read, so that'll be fun. So I'll just do some quick thoughts on the others. Um, Carrie, first of all, I knew this story from like the Brian De Palma film, but I knew the story, and I guess maybe being from Maine, you know the story. (laughs) 
yeah, it happens to people every year. Instead of prom, (laughs) instead of sex ed, they just have you read Carrie. So, So for if you don't know, Carrie is about a teenage girl comes from a very religious household, um, extremely religious, um, and she is a telekinetic, and and she's bullied, and so she takes out her rage on the prom, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say that that's a spoiler, but. What I didn't realize about the book is that it's told with different formats. It, it mm-hmm. includes like pieces from articles or from textbooks that are obviously all made up, but they all reference like the events at the prom and Carrie White and all this. And I didn't realize it was going to be like that. And so I found it much more interesting and exciting that way. You know, I read uh, somewhere, I can't remember where, that Stephen King wrote the original draft of Carrie and it was all of the parts that are not those fake articles uh, uh-huh. and his wife liked it and he was like well i need to bulk it out so he wrote all the articles interesting okay yeah. i really think it makes it I, yeah i, I think it, it really helps and it adds suspense because like it'll say stuff like you know that and that was the last day that guy lived and you're like what what <laughs> prime journalistic speak right there something like that <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah so i really liked it um i think it was a bit slower than salem's lot for me in that I already knew what the ending was going, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it was a great first novel. I mean, I can definitely see how, you know, he teaches for a year, publishes this, and then doesn't have to teach anymore. People are like, <laughs> okay, you you understand story and horror. So that's Carrie. I have orcs about Carrie, but they're going to be the same orcs for every book. So we'll just wait. Save them up. Uh, the next book is Salem's Lot. We talked about this on the podcast. I had no idea what it was about. It's about vampires. (laughs) Are you sure, though? (laughs) It's basically Dracula set in Maine. I like that it would reference a lot of towns around us. It'd be like, oh, I went to Falmouth to go to the movie theater. And it's like, so did I. Whoa. whoa. (laughs) So that's just a very specific reason that I like the book. (laughs) What about the rest of the book, though? No, I, I... liked um now that i'm an expert in stephen king i like that he tends to switch perspectives so you get a sense of a lot of the different characters some of the characters live some of them don't which is kind of cool and that nobody's safe um it makes it more exciting it takes a little bit to get to the action in this one i thought they spend a lot of time debating whether or not they oh, are vampires a lot of time and i'm like okay they're clearly vampires let's move on yeah i feel like king wrote himself out of that a little bit like in later books, the people are just like, oh, I, I can't believe it. Okay, I believe it. Right. Yeah, it's like all these people are dying by being visited by people that have, were corpses and bit them on the neck. But nope, <laughs> no way, not vampire. Well, sounds like a good homage to Dracula where that's yeah, like it's gotta be lupus. 75% of the book. Like, this couldn't be anything that weird. I don't know. To be fair, in Brad Stoker's Dracula, they get over it pretty fast where it's like, are you a vampire? <sighs> yeah, you caught me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, another- you're, just, you're you a vampire? You have to tell me if you're a vampire. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, not. Well, what about this mirror? Ah! Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I think he he's starting, well, he really masters these spooky images. You know, imagine like a little boy vampire outside of the window staring at you, asking mm-hmm. to come in. You're going to remember these things. And also, the writing is really beautiful. Um, this is an example, just one quick sentence. Um, this is like this character, Corey Bryant, has been bitten by a vampire. And then Corey Bryant sank into a great forgetful river. And that river was time and its waters were red. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. It's 
instead of saying he died. You know, it's a better <laughs> way to say it. Um, so I really like Salem's Lot as well. Again, I have some critiques, and they're the same as the critiques for all the other books. Nice. So let's go into The Shining. The Shining. The Shining. Welcome to The Overlook. Welcome to The Overlook. <laughs> and I'll preface this by saying I think The Shining is one of my favorite Stephen King's. I liked it. Um, I liked them all. Um, I kept comparing it in my head to the Kubrick film. Of course. Of course. And what I found interesting... Wait, there's a movie of this? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, like, not obviously, but it's known that Stephen King hated the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made a miniseries that's his version. Miniseries is not very good. I don't You guys watched it. I watched some clips of it. <laughs> <laughs> also, heads up, for spoiler for the facts, Stanley Cooper hated him right back. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Um, I t- also, spoiler alert, people, the book isn't that different from the movie. No, it's very well, different. He, well, okay, so here's... Well, no, I, I, having read and seen both, it's not that different. Here's what's different, and here's why I think he hates Kubrick's version. He says it's because the Jack Nicholson character, you can tell he's unhinged from the beginning. I mean, you can kind of tell that in the book. I think it's because the most iconic things hmm. from the movie, here's Johnny, um, the twins, the elevator of blood, none of that's in the book. Yeah. So I think he's mad that he didn't think of it. <laughs> also, yeah. like, most of this book is just inside a person's head. Like, it's a lot of more cerebral than the movie, which is very famous for being, like, very cold and very outside of it. So, like, all of Stephen King's weird mental fighting in the shining or like fighting with ghosts Mm -hmm. Cooper doesn't do any of that yeah yeah but i but my basic review is i like both versions but they're just different yeah like it's like instead of this it's this instead of this ending it's this ending instead of this person dying he lives or whatever and so i think both versions are valid i think one works better as a book and would work then would work on screen I'm referencing in particular in this book, (laughs) instead of it being a creepy hedge maze, it's creepy hedge animals that (laughs) that come to life and attack. Not so scary. uh, On film. On film. Yeah. I can imagine. And uh, I was talking with Dylan about that scene. And I remember in the book, the, the topiary scene in the book is, is quite scary. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah. But then you see it and you're like, oh, it's just. Yeah. Little- <laughs> you can just imagine a lot of whip pans to a topiary animal that looks menacing. What if instead of an axe, we have a croquet, a croak mallet and we have to explain what croak is repeatedly? Is yeah. it not croquet? It's roke. Ro- or sorry, a roke mallet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He talks a lot about the roke mallets. Right. I mean. Axes may be a little scarier, Stephen. I'm sorry. A little bit more of an accessible image. They're like, you know what's scary? This fire hose. Is it? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think what happens to a lot of Stephen King stuff, um, which might annoy me if I was Stephen King, but it's maybe his own fault, is a lot of the stuff that gets turned into movies feels like the next draft. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's like, okay, let's cut this scene. It's not scary enough and substitute maybe a little bit scarier scene. And well, this character's motivation is a little weird. So let's clean that up. And yeah, I think that happens Yeah, And I think that makes Steven mad because he didn't think of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This feels though not like a second draft because it's so changed. It feels like so changed in the fact that the uh, fact that he broke Danny's arm in the book, in the book. The, his relationship with his son is such a huge chunk of it and his guilt about filling with the son. And literally in the movie, it's like a throwaway line. I realize I didn't say what this is about. <laughs> <laughs> the Shining is about a writer um, named Jack Torrance. 
uh, well, he's a writer, teacher. Um, he needs work. Um, and he has a young wife named Wendy and a young son named Danny, who's like five. And he gets a job because he really needs a job taking care of the Overlook Hotel. Well, and he's also very, he wants to write a book real bad. Right, to right. Play, play. A, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. He wants to write a play. I'm so sorry. He's not a novelist. He's a playwright. It's different. It's definitely not. <laughs> it's definitely not Stephen King. Definitely not Stephen King stand in. Who and no wrote way. books. He, was also, he also worked at a laundry mad in, uh, and lived in Boulder. <laughs> His wife's Tabitha. No, so um, so he, they, he gets this job at the Overlook, this hotel in um, Colorado, over the winter, and he needs to watch that boiler. <laughs> no spoiler boilers. No spoilers. Um, and they get snowed in, and because the Overlook has sort of the presence of ghosts and evil, um, it starts to possess Jack. And Danny has a little bit of shine to him. He's got a little bit of, what is it called, ESP or something? Something like that. I mean, it's kind of whatever Stephen King wants it to be. He, yeah. could, do, he could do a lot of stuff, it turns out. Right. Precognition is what they keep calling Pre-cognition. it. Precognition. Yeah. They have mind bullets. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I will just quickly say I, a lot of the things I liked about this book are the same as the others. I think he has master of spooky imagery. I liked all of the choices he made. Like you said, it's a storyteller. Like I'm on... I'm on the ride and it just mm-hmm. picks up and gets faster and faster and faster. Um, I also really loved something that's not in the movie is the imagery of a wasp. Yeah. Um, which is in the book and the wasp's nest. Um, I thought that was really effective. I'm going to mention my overall orcs for all the books, which are that Stephen King, what he takes what could be a five star book and then decides to use racial slurs, you know, anti-Jewish things. He sexualizes women all the time. It's always like, she was so scared. You can tell by her boobs. It's like, (laughs) what? And, you know, fat phobia stuff. And it's just like, I want to give this book five stars, but you use the N-word and I can't. Mm. Well, and some of it is he's claimed, and people come to his defense really hard about like, the, the people that use N-words or people that use racial epitaphs are bad people. But no. there are points in no. the book where I think he, like, didn't realize, like, no, that's Stephen King talking. That's, like... <laughs> There's a point in Carrie where it's the narrator talking, Stephen King talking, and he says, um, this person got uh, a fat lip like an N-word. Yeah. yeah. It's it's indispensable. <laughs> I read a little bit of the audiobook to Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining, which was written only a few years ago, and he's still doing the same things. It's He's more like, like an African-American versus like an N-word, but it's like, still, why? Why are you doing this? So that was my orc overall, and I, I gave all of the books four stars just because I just couldn't yeah. justify the five. Toby, Dylan, Andrew, do you guys have any thoughts on The Shining? Me? No, I think I would uh, like, you know, I've chimed in here and there with what I think. And I agree with you 100 percent. Cool. You know what? Same. What do you think, Andrew? What did you get? What did you give the uh, the book in the end? I, I also went with four stars. I have very similar criticisms and and uh, and things I liked about it. Honestly, I agree very much with Bailey's review. I just disagree that the <laughs> the two things are that different. I don't know. I think they use different imagery. And I think otherwise, it's just the difference in the medium. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. All wrong, right. wrong, but fair. So that's Stephen King. That's The Shining. Um, I would definitely recommend it. Four stars. Four stars. Dylan, do you have any facts on The Shining? (laughs) I have very spooky facts about creative differences. (laughs) He has just written Carrie and Salem's Lot. Huge hits. Uh, He's batting a thousand. Batting a thousand. Also, his life has fallen apart because of alcoholism and cocaine use. Yep. On October 30th, 1974, the day before Halloween, (sighs) he and his wife checked into the Stanley Hotel in nearby Estes Park, Colorado. So that's the hotel that this is based on. Hmm. They were the only two guests in the hotel that night. 
Ooh. Wait, wait. Can I guess or what room they? they stayed in? Uh, I actually don't know what room they stayed in. Was it 217? They might have stayed <laughs> in 217, and this is important. They In the book, it is 217. It's very emphasized. They changed it, though, for the movie because uh, the hotel they were filming at has a room 217, and they didn't want it to be jinxed. Hmm. But after the movie came out, they realized, like, oh, man, we should let them actually name it 217. Because there'd be all sorts of weirdos who want to stay there. All the time. So this is a quote from Stephen King about the hotel. When we arrived, they were just getting ready to close for the season, and we found ourselves the only guests in the place with those long, empty corridors. That night, I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweet, uh, sweating all over. Within an inch of falling out of bed, I got up, lit a cigarette, and sat in a chair looking out the window of the Rockies. And by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. And my daughter Naomi came up to me, and I was like, you're not in this game. <laughs> Why don't you write me a book report on Anna Karenina? Um, also really important, the title was inspired by the 1970 John Lennon song, Instant Karma, which contains the line, we all shine on. Oh. Oh. Which I am so glad, because when they keep explaining the shining, it does not make sense. <laughs> makes little sense. Shining came out, was a huge smash hit, and in fact, the movie rights were bought up uh, even before the book was published. Yeah. Uh, but of course, Stanley Kubrick wanted to make it. And if Stanley Kubrick wanted to make it, of course. And Stephen King's a huge fan. So he signed off on it. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Creative um, differences. Stephen King loved it so much. Loved Stanley Kubrick so much. I was so excited to work for him. He wrote an entire draft of the screenplay on spec. <laughs> oh, poor Stephen King. Uh, <laughs> However, Kubrick didn't even read it. Oh, oh okay. That's come a- on. <laughs> Stanley. <laughs> The director Stanley Kubrick having a prickly personality? What is this? The director once described King's writing as weak. Instead, Kubrick worked with Diane Johnston, another novelist, on the screenplay because he was a fan of her book, The Shadow Knows. That stings. And the two wrote a screenplay in 11 weeks. When Shining came out, actually, it was very split. The movie or the book? When the book came out, it was a hit. When the movie came out, it was very split with criticism. Some people Hmm. called it... Eh. And some people called it a masterpiece. Well, people wanted it to be, quote, scarier. Like, they thought it was going to be like a slasher movie. Yeah, Yeah, they thought a lot of people were going to die. And in 1983, King told Playboy, I'd admired Kubrick for a long time and had great expectations for the project, but I was deeply disappointed in the end result. Parts of the film are chilling, charged with a relentlessly claustrophobic terror, but others fell flat. I mean, that's not the harshest criticism. Stephen King was not invited to set, but he did get random phone calls at 7 o'clock in the morning from Stanley Kubrick asking questions not about the book, but about his views of the afterlife, including what happens after you die. (laughs) (laughs) These two deserve each other. (laughs) They're the two most opposite people of one like a super perfectionist and the other guy like turns out 1400 page novels. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Stephen King obviously hated it for so long that in 1997, he wrote his own screenplay for the book. That he had said it had to be an ABC miniseries. Well, it's basically made. like word for word. Yeah. And did you hear how he got the rights? How did he get the rights? He Kubrick had the rights or, or the studio did Warner Brothers or whatever. And they're like, you can have the rights for a miniseries, but you have to stop bad mouthing. <laughs> and he's like, fine. Freaking <laughs> deal. But apparently they argued about it. And he's like, can I still say that I don't like Jack Nicholson? And they're like, okay. <laughs> And yeah, that's it for The Shining. Andrew, do you have a creepy game for us? I do, but it's not really a game. <gasps> oh. No, I've decided we hey, we play a lot of games, we have a lot of fun, but I think we need to branch out a little bit here and I'm I'm thinking about offering a service to y'all. Okay. Oh. 
All right, so the service is called, is it haunted? <laughs> All right. So here's what I'm going to do to you. Uh, you know, anyone who has a basic understanding of Stephen King knows that anything can be haunted. You know, cars like Christine, dogs, dogs like Cujo, mm -hmm. balloon clowns <laughs> like that it guy. Um, so I figured people might want to know how haunted the things in their lives are. Uh, okay. So I'm presenting, is it haunted? A new service. Okay. So here's how this is going to work. I want, uh, I want Bailey and Toby to, to run me through a typical day and I'll, I'm going to stop you and ask you some questions and I'll, I'll tell you if these things are haunted and how haunted they are. To, to take a peek behind on the curtain here, this is a randomized game uh, based on rolls of the dice. I will determine whether things in their lives are haunted and then how haunted they are. Okay. All right. My day starts at about seven or eight when I wake to the sound of a baby. Oh, that baby haunted? Is the baby haunted? Uh <laughs> The baby is haunted. <laughs> oh, that are, was a quick dice roll. Are you really? But it's dice? only mildly haunted. So okay. So this is good to know. So Bailey, uh, Maggie is mildly haunted <laughs> based on what I can intuit from you. Uh, got like you know some low level um, like a ten precognition going on, like a light shine. <laughs> a light shine. It's like an it's like an eight on a d twenty. It's like it's like it's been buffed just right. a little bit. Okay, so yeah. So then I you know get her dressed. I feed her breakfast. That breakfast haunted. <laughs> The breakfast is haunted. Oh, oh wow. my gosh. Okay. <laughs> and the breakfast is pretty haunted. Uh-oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then um, Maggie's grandma, her Obachan, shows up to take care of Maggie while I work. That grandma haunted? <laughs> Obachan's clean. Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, we could have told you that. All right. So then I go to my desk and I start my job. <laughs> is my job haunted? Your job? Okay. Whoa. I was gonna Your job is about as haunted as Maggie is. Um, and then about my lunchtime is when Maggie takes a nap. Wait. Oh, your lunch is fine. <laughs> lunch is fine. What about Maggie's nap? Is that haunted? Maggie's nap is not okay. okay. <laughs> At the end of the day, I. I'm done with work, so I take Maggie to the library to get more books. Ooh. Wait. Oh, this is a big one. Two questions here. Library is clean. Hmm? Surprisingly. Okay. The books are not. <laughs> but the books are literally the least haunted they could possibly be. So I'm guessing one of the books in that library holds a dark secret. Gotcha. It's Atlas Shrugged. Oh, no. <laughs> and so, then we go take a walk to the pet cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> so then the last few things of the day are uh, watch Squid Game. Squid Game Haunted. Okay, wait. Oh, this is a good question. Squid Game's, Squid Game's clean. Cool. Oh, wow. Um, I read a book. Book Haunted? Oh, wait. This book is haunted. Oh, maybe it's the one from the library. And then I go to sleep. Is the sleep haunted? Yes. <laughs> is it like it's the exact same amount of haunted as Maggie? So Maggie is the one who's haunting your dreams. Gotcha. Okay, so I'm pretty haunted. What about this, you, Toby? This You're service... very haunted, and it all seems to be coming out of Maggie. <laughs> this service is like a terrible like pest extermination service where they just shut up to your house and be like, "Yep, you got pest," <laughs> and then yep. just leave. Ants. <laughs> There needs um, to be some yeah. service that can take care of these ghosts. I know. <laughs> like busters. Bust them somehow. Let's see. Okay. On the road. I'll wake up and make my coffee. All right. So first of all, your camper that you wake up in. Mid-level haunted. So I think you're carrying around some spirits who've maybe uh, owned this, uh, Fair enough. this camper in the past. Okay. And then, and then I make my coffee. It's uh, from Winco. <laughs> your coffee's fine. Sweet. Okay. okay. Winco will be happy to know that. Um, I read my book. Your book. 
is haunted. Okay. And it's the most haunted it could be. It's a natural 20 of haunted. I mean, my, my struggle, Carl, making those cars. Oh my God. It's so a haunting in his eyes. Yeah. That's why I it's followed you. It's actually a portal into a real man, real demonic man. My uh, struggle. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, I speak to my wife. Uh-oh. Louise. Louise is, Louise is clean. Oh, phew. Um, and then, you know, typically we would gear up and visit a national park. Yeah. Ooh, okay, uh, national national parks in general. Yeah, all national are parks. Cl- are, they're they're clean. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good. Good thing we bottled them into one roll. Um, and, yep. and then we would go for a hike in that national park. Ooh. All right. Well, okay. How about the concept of hiking? <laughs> the concept clean as well. Okay. Then we'd uh, come home uh, to the camper again, which we've already established mildly haunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might make a, a just very mild. We might make a fire in, ooh, in the fire, fi- in the fire pit. Oh, ooh, ooh. Uh oh. Is it on the border? Yeah, you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna be careful around that fire. <laughs> no more fires. It's uh, it's 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 dry. It's dr- bringing some ghosts towards you. Got it. What about the game of gin rummy? <laughs> we can the play. Game of we gin we rummy. play some of that. Oh no! Let's see. As clean as can be. Oh, mm-hmm. excellent. Okay. And then um, good clean fun. And then we go to bed. <laughs> and again, the concept of sleep for Toby. Clean. Oh. Toby, you have a much less haunted life. You than have uh, a haunted Bless. book and a haunted fire. I mean, yeah, but your book is, I cannot stress this <laughs> enough. Your book is as haunted as it's possible to be. Oh, well, I feel wow. like if, if Stephen King is listening to this, first of all, he's going to be upset by a lot of the things we said. But second of all, he's going to get a lot of good ideas for books, such mm-hmm. as Haunted Gin Rummy. Haunted book. I think he's probably already done that one. Uh, well, thank you, Andrew. Mm-hmm. That was a very good service. I really appreciate that. Yeah, now I know. You are welcome. Yeah. Well, now's the time on the podcast where we choose books at random from ourselves. It is time for The, the Choose. Two- Choosening. The choosening. The choosening. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The choosening's very, very hot. <laughs> yeah. Six and an 18. Oh, boy. Oh. Well, I would explain Toby's pick. <gasps> because the spirits have obviously chosen number seven. Bride's Head Revisited by Evelyn Waugh. <laughs> and Bailey, for you... I get to pick. You get to pick. Yeah, we said that if you finished all three books on your plate and you ate your vegetables, you get to pick your next book. So what is it going to be? You heard it here. She picked the stamp. (laughs) I am going to pick off my shelf a pretty new book, and it's called Pizza Girl. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Oh, wait, wait. Is it haunted? Yeah, but only only a little bit. Only a little bit. It's Pizza Girl by Jean Kyung Frazier. My understanding is it's a girl that delivers pizza, but stuff happens to her that's weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mostly it has a dynamite cover. It has a very cool cover. So in two weeks on the podcast, I will be reading Pizza Girl by Jean Kyung Frazier. And Andrew's reading Sing Unburied Sing by Jessamyn Ward. Thanks for listening to The To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the to read list podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads, Instagram, and the Storygraph at The To Read List Podcast. And if you like what you heard, uh, a way to help us out and find more listeners is to give us a rating and a recommendation on your podcatcher of choice. This is particularly important with Apple Podcast, which is not haunted. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, leaving a review helps more people find our, our stuff, and we'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. And if you have a friend who shines, shines stronger than anything you've ever seen, you can tell them uh, about this podcast, especially if they like books. Word of mouth is the best way that people can hear about our podcast. So please spread the word. What about word of thought? Yeah. If you can send (laughs) mental projections of (laughs) your dire need for help into people's minds, tell them about this podcast too. Great.
Uh, thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me, to Dylan for sound recording, and to Miss Jillian Beth Durkee for composing our intro song. See you in two weeks. Happy reading. Books, books, books. books.